Chapter 7 Three and a half of our hours? Where are we going? The moon? Tobias asked. Don't you start with the our hour, your hour thing, Tobias. I warned. No, Axe replied. Going to the moon would take less than three and a half of your hours. Our journey will take longer because we will be flying through the planet's atmosphere. Any idea of our destination? Jake asked. The navigator did not say. I will, however, do my best to gauge our direction as we go along. Axe, you'd have made a great Cub Scout. A what? What are we going to do? Cassie asked. Good question. We were trapped on a bugfighter with our worst enemy. And now we had the choice of revealing our presence, suicidal, or spending the rest of our lives as garbage-eating insects. Boom! What was that? Rachel cried. Man, this fly does not want to sit still. I think we are docking with the blade ship, Axe replied. If a bugfighter is like a bus, a blade ship is like a jumbo jet. It's shaped like a battle axe from the Middle Ages, and it's Visser 3's personal ship. This might actually be a good thing, Jake said. At least the blade ship is big enough so we might find someplace to hide and demorph. No way we could demorph on the bugfighter without being seen. Have I mentioned that I hate this morph? Tobias added. I mean, I'm finding myself very attracted to the Visser's sweat. How sick is that? Yeah, Cassie agreed. He stinks, but to my fly brain, he actually smells kind of good. He most certainly does not stink, Axe said defensively. That is an endolite body, and endolites have never been known to stink. Suddenly, the air pressure changed, ever so slightly, just enough to make me lose control. I started to fly then cancelled that order and ended up zooming back hard into the visor's belly. Oops, I said. Oops what? Jake said tensely. Oops, he may have felt that. I glued my wings down and managed to calm the jumpy fly brain, just as six gigantic blue columns crashed down around me, digging across the skin and through the fur like massive plows. Oh man, I'm being scratched! I cried. Curse it, parasites! Visser 3 shouted. Hey, he's one to talk, Rachel said. Heads up, everybody, Jake said. Be ready to jump at any second. The first scratch missed me. As I tried to avoid the Visser's searching fingers, I jumped from palm tree-sized hair to palm tree-sized hair with blazing speed, like Tarzan after a gallon of Mountain Dew. Marco, stay still! Jake shouted. That's easy for you to say, I shouted back. Suddenly, the fingers stopped raking and formed a cage around me, 
Trapped. I'm about to get pinched. Marco! Cassie cried. I felt a slight breeze wash over me. The kind of minuscule air movement only a fly notices. Then I felt a new vibration. Dozens of tiny impacts. The needle-sharp legs of a taxon. He's welcoming the viscer back aboard the blade ship. Axe translated. Or he may be telling him his brother is a meteor fragment. I understand Galar, but this morph's hearing is very uncertain. The viscer took his hand from his belly. The telephone pole fingers withdrew. Are all the Venber on board? Visser 3 growled. Venber? Axe asked excitedly. He did say Venber, did he not? I don't know. Jake replied. Is that important? Hey, Axe, you're not holding out on us, are you? I must have misunderstood. Axe said, not exactly answering my question. Excellent. The viscer replied. With twice as many Venber, our project will be completed in half the time. Well, at least he knows his math, Tobias said wryly. And that was it for the better part of an hour. They say combat is 99% waiting around and 1% sheer terror. They're right. We hung out upside down, clinging to Visser 3's stomach hair, and tried not to let ourselves be overcome with the unholy, screaming willies. I mean, it's one thing being a fly when you're busy, but just hanging out, you start to notice the spit dribbling off the end of your proboscis. And that's not good. So, I said, did anyone bring a deck of cards? Anyone seen any good movies lately? Anyone have any juicy confessions they'd like to make? We were in what must have been the Visser's private quarters, a spare room with no furniture except for a computer console. After all, he was in an Andalite body, and Andalites don't sit. There were various things hanging from the walls, like art. Some were large and elaborate, made of steel or something like steel. Some had electrical probes. Some had teeth or spikes or saws. We had an idea they might be instruments of torture collected from around the galaxy. We had that idea because I recognized one of the artworks. It's called an Iron Maiden. Not the dinosaur rock band, the Middle Ages cage with the spikes inside. It was a little depressing to realize that some Earth museum had unwillingly made a contribution on behalf of Homo sapiens. And it was even more depressing realizing that we were going up against a guy who thought you should hang an Iron Maiden on the wall instead of a Baywatch poster. Chapter 8 We'd cleverly come up with two plans. Plan A involved Visser 3 leaving the room voluntarily, while the rest of us stayed behind and did a quick demorph, followed by a remorph. But as time passed, and the Visser made no move to leave, it looked more and more like we were going to have to implement the much riskier Plan B. Fine by me. I was ready to do something, or go insane. Inactivity makes for way too much time to think about things like death, and destruction, and pain, and violence. Inactivity makes for fear. Another good defense against fear is humor. From my point of view, if you're not laughing, you're crying. Humor as coping mechanism. 
Besides, I sort of consider it my job to keep us loose in these situations. Entertain the troops. Say, Rachel, I got a joke for you, I said. No, you don't, she said. I ignored the warning. Two blondes are standing across the river from one another. Hey, Tobias interrupted. Remember, I'm a blonde too. It may be dirty blonde, but it's still blonde. Yeah, for a couple hours a week, I said. Anyway, the one blonde calls out to the other blonde. How do I get to the other side? That is very funny, Marco, Axe said brightly. I haven't told the punchline yet, Axe, I replied. And the blonde across the river calls back to her, You are on the other side. That does it, Rachel said. Time for plan B. I've heard that one before, Tobias said, unimpressed. I am afraid I do not understand, Axe replied. Tobias, where exactly did you hear that joke before? I demanded. A sparrow, an owl, and you hanging out and swapping stories? Axe, do you have any idea where we are? Jake asked. I believe we are heading north. Still north? Jake replied. How much longer until we have to demorph? About 20 minutes, Axe replied. Of your minutes, he added, with what I swear was deliberate provocation. Good. Plan B. Let's do something. Anything. Rachel, of course. Yeah, guess we should, Jake said without much enthusiasm. Ox, are you ready? I believe so, Prince Jake. Break a leg, Axeman, I said. Whose leg? It's just a... never mind. Everything was quiet for a few seconds. Then our brains were bombarded with the sound of very loud thought speak. Guard! Come in here immediately! Axe bellowed. A pretty decent imitation of Visor 3. I sensed a breeze filled with the scent of a hork warrior. Visor 3's sudden, startled movement felt like a massive earthquake. I clung tightly to my chosen hairs. What are you doing, fool? Visor 3 shouted at the hork What is the meaning of this interruption? The hork muttered. Get out! The visor raged. Get out or I'll feed you to the taxons! The guard left. Again, Axe, Jake said. Axe bellowed. Another breeze. I smelled a different hork I could feel Visor 3 quaking with rage. What? He screamed. It was like being in a front row seat at a Beastie Boys concert, right by the big speakers. I thought my head was going to explode. A sudden muscle spasm. I knew right then that the visor had snapped his deadly tail. Seconds later, woof. Something big hit the floor. I didn't want to think about what it was. Who it was. One more ought to do it, Axe, Jake said. I could sense his hesitation. I almost felt sorry for the hork They're just helpless slaves of the Yurks, 
Whatever they do is at the command of the evil Yurks in their brains. In fact, before the Yurks conquered them, the hork were a peaceful race. They're just big, dumb, bark-eating lizards. And kind of sweet, really. Innocent victims in a war that didn't seem to have any other kind. Axe shouted a third time, and I whiffed two hork entering. I guess they thought two at once would help. It didn't. The visitor lunged, out of control with rage, toward the two hork toward the door. Out! Everybody off! Jake yelled. Stay low! I let go and shot through the air. I watched as the huge blue blob disappeared through the doorway. The door shut behind him. Demorph and remorph as fast as you can! Jake instructed. I landed on the floor and immediately began to demorph. Morphing's never logical. It never happens the same way twice. This time, the first thing that changed were my eyes. Thousands of them went... Just like that, I had my human eyes again. This was not necessarily a good thing, since it gave me the chance to watch everybody, including myself, demorph. And it gave me a real good view of the poor hork on the floor. At least he was in one piece. He might still live. hork or are a sturdy bunch. Yeah, he might live. If the Taxons didn't find him first. Chapter 9 Rachel's change was especially weird. At first, she just grew. Before my eyes, she went from being a little speck to a five-foot-tall, thousand-eyeballed insect with blonde hair sprouting from the back of her head. Cassie has a talent for morphing. She does it better than any of us, even Axe. In a few seconds, she looked totally normal, except for the two gossamer wings attached to her back. She looked like an angel or a fairy godmother. I looked at my hands. They were hairy claws, gigantic versions of a fly's leg. I watched as the thick hairs disappeared, replaced by my own body hair. The ends of the claws cracked open like eggshells. My fingers slowly slithered out like five baby snakes emerging from their shells. Everybody, take about two deep breaths and remorph, Jake whispered when we were all completely demorphed. Four humans, one red-tailed hawk, and one young andalite. Easier said than done. Morphing is like running a 200-yard dash at top speed. You're not ready to collapse afterward, but you're not ready to do it again right away either. I took a few deep breaths and concentrated on becoming a fly. I imagined those thousand eyes and those hairy legs. That disgusting proboscis. Jake was already changing, getting smaller and smaller. Rachel's arms began to shrink and grow black hairs. Cassie's wings were sprouting. Tobias's intense hawk eyes began to double, triple, quadruple, while his hooked beak grew outward, transforming itself into a tube. Axe and I seemed to be behind everybody else. Then we heard a faint hissing. We exchanged worried glances before turning our eyes toward the door. The door slid open. The unconscious hork luck had just run out. A taxon! A tree-trunk-thick centipede with needle legs and weak claws and a red-rimmed mouth and raspberry jello eyes. It saw me, only half-morphed. It was puzzled, 
Then it's all Axe and Andalite. No longer puzzled. Terrified. The Taxon hasn't been born who can confront an Andalite. Axe! Jake shouted. Pretend you're Visser 3. What is the meaning of this interruption? Axe shouted. The Taxon didn't reply. He wasn't fooled. He was motoring back out the door. And that couldn't happen. Just then, my human eyes became compound fly eyes. I didn't see Axe's tail snap through the air like a bullwhip. I heard, Flap! A soft impact sound followed, like someone had dropped oatmeal on the floor. An extremely foul smell filled the room. I knew that smell. I think we are in trouble, Prince Jake, Axe said. Is it dead? Jake replied. In a manner of speaking, Axe continued. One half is consuming the other half. Taxons are the universe's most dedicated cannibals. They don't just eat other taxons. They even eat themselves, given the chance. Hunger defines their world. In death, the taxon was acting out some awful instinct. Ox, Jake said in his very calm, no one freak yet voice. Finish morphing to fly and let's get out of here. Everybody stick close together. Hug the ceilings. Follow me. Come on. We shot out of the room into a long hallway. The walls and ceilings of the corridor were black. The floor seemed to be an illuminated path. Four thin tubes of solid light hung where the ceiling met the wall. Ox, what are these lights along the ceiling? Jake asked. Each color designates the path to a certain portion of the ship. For example, on Andalite ships, following a green line will take you to the control room. A red line will take you to the engine room. Do you think these light lines function in the same way? I asked. It is likely. Everything the Yurks have, they stole from us. However, my fly vision cannot distinguish the colors of these various lines of light. What would be the quietest part of the ship, Axe? Cassie asked. Storage bays. They are most likely aft. Can you tell which direction the ship is flying right now? Jake asked. The ship is still heading north, Prince Jake. So we want to go south. Let's do that. Uh, a little warning before we make any turns, please? I said. In this light, I can barely see a thing. Ditto, Tobias added. If we can't see each other, Rachel said. It's unlikely Visser 3 and his walking woodchippers are going to see us, I think. Think again, Cassie said. Look who's coming. A familiar blue blob. A now familiar aroma. Stick to the ceiling, Jake said. Visser 3 trotted right past us. Right past us and into his room. Then, his voice was exploding in our heads like a nuclear bomb. Guards! A moment's hesitation as he put it all together. Then, The Andalite Bandits! They are on board! The hallway was suddenly filled with the smell of hork Ox, what light path do we follow? Jake asked. 
I cannot be certain which leads to where. The Yurk color sense may... Just pick one! Jake roared. Follow me, Axe said meekly. Jake almost never yells. When he does, you have to know it's time to do what he says. There were four lines of lights, and all of them looked the same hazy gray-green to me. To all of us. But Axe picked one. Get the Andalites! The Visser screamed in an absolute frenzy of rage and excitement. Here! On my own blade ship! Ha <laughs> ha! I will slowly kill the fool who fails me! Do you hear me? Get them! Get them! Get them! We blew out of there as fast as our little fairy wings would take us. We chased that ribbon of light, hoping it wasn't leading us into an even uglier death trap. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening. I don't have any real announcements this week. Um, you know the general stuff. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts and would like to leave me a rating or review, ooh, I switched it up on you. I started with this one. Uh, please do so. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me and uh, for, for any reason, really, you can do that through a variety of ways. That's, of course, uh, through Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And you can do it on my website, that's theapodcalypse.com. The Apodcalypse. Like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. You can also see me on Twitter, for however long Twitter's gonna last, at Audiomorphs. And that's where you should check if I'm ever late with an episode. I'll try to keep an update there. Speaking of schedules, I also need to announce that I am taking next week off because I travel for Thanksgiving. Uh, so, no episode next week, but week after we are back on schedule. Thank you for understanding. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's all I got, so hope everyone's having, um, a good upcoming to Thanksgiving if you're American, and I guess just another week if you are not American. Um, (laughs) so I will see you all, not next week, but the week after. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.